The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today it is my honor to welcome my guest, Chef Jimmy Lee Hill. He is the award-winning executive chef and instructor of the Food Tech Training Program at the Lakeland Correctional Facility in Coldwater, Michigan. He has been doing this work for more than 30 years, inspiring and changing the lives of men who are incarcerated there. His work, which reaches beyond simple cooking instruction, is featured in the new documentary film, Cold Water Kitchen, which received a James Beard Foundation Media Award in 2023. Chef Hill is a fellow of the prestigious American Academy of Chefs, and he recently received the President's Medallion Award from the American Culinary Federation at their meeting in New Orleans, Louisiana. Cold Water Kitchen is screening across the country and internationally, and I'll provide a link to the film website in our show notes. Welcome, Chef Hill. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Before we dive into your work in the Michigan prison, I want you to tell me first, where did your love of cooking and appreciation for food come from? Well, that was my parents. I I lived in a household of three, my mother, my father, and myself. And uh, my mother is a uh, dietitian in uh, Muskegon General Hospital. And my father, we sold barbecue. So I was always around food. And, uh, you know, it just kind of, I don't know, seeped into me, I guess from being with them every day in the kitchen and out in the yard with the barbecue grills. So I just grew up being around food. And your dad had a garden too, is that right? Yes, ma'am. We had a garden. We had actually two gardens. One was in the backyard, which was probably, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 feet. And then we had one in the country that was probably the size of a football field. And as wide as, I don't know, maybe 50 feet wide, maybe. So that's where all the gardening really took off at because, you know, he would wake me up at 4.30 in the morning and like, all right, Jimmy, let's go. We're going to go out to this garden. And I would always think, why do we have to go so early? (laughs) You know, why can't we just go out there at 9 or 10, you know, in the morning? But as I got older... I understood the time, you know, why wait until it's that hot or by the time you get up and get breakfast and go out there, we would have been back. So I'm okay with it now because I get up every morning around 430. So I understand it now. What did you do with all that food? Well, we sold barbecue dinners and chicken dinners to the guys that worked in the foundries. And then also he would bundle up those vegetables, you know, greens and peas and tomatoes, carrots, cabbage. And he would take that and the guys would purchase that 
to take home to their wives to cook dinner after work. And so that's how most of the produce got distributed. Sure. He also canned a lot of things. So I didn't know, understand what that was back then <laughs> because we had so many different jars of those ball jars, glass jars, and they had everything in them. He did everything. I just, I couldn't even understand it. There's some had chicken in it and some had salmon in it. And, you know, some looked a little strange to me, but <laughs> it was always good. You ate well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, before we dive into your work in the prison, I want to ask you a question about something that you posted on your Facebook page. You wrote that food is the ultimate dot connector. I agree with that, but I'm wondering, can you tell me what you meant by that? Well, what I mean by that is that whenever something is happening, no matter what the occasion is, whether it's a birth, a wedding, a death, unfortunately, sometimes divorces and any type of party, food was always a part of it. And so it was like the dots, you know, everything was connected by that food and the situation that was going on or the celebration. It was always food. And that's how I seen it when I was growing up, because we always had on Fridays a fish fry. And my father had this big, I tell people, it's like that cauldron that the, the witch would stir over the fire. And it was filled with all different types of panfish and bluegills and green bass, all different kind of fish. And my father would do that on Fridays and people would come to the house just for the fish fry, just to sit around. And my mother would bring out different types of side dishes, salads and fried corn and different tomatoes pickled with onions. And, and there was always good eating going on. And so every time, once again, things were connected, good or bad, and food was always there. Right. And so I just, I felt like it's just the ultimate dot connector because it's always there, a part of something. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to know what led you to work in a prison. Well, I got the job. I seen uh, in the newspaper that the Michigan Department of Corrections was hiring a food service supervisor. So that was 1985. I took the interview and I got the job. And then from 85 until 89, I worked in the prison as a food service supervisor. And basically we supervised the inmates as they would cook the food to make sure things were correct. In 1989, once again, there was an interview for a food technology instructor. I took the interview and I got the job. So I transferred from the city that I was working in as a food service supervisor, which was Ionia, Michigan. I transferred down and took the job here in Coldwater as the food technology instructor. And so since 1989, I've been here ever since. So your program is really unique in that you're not teaching simple cooking skills. You are teaching culinary skills, and they're highly technical. You've got textbooks. And your program is unique in that because if I understand correctly, there are many 
cooking type training programs in prisons, but you take it to a much higher level. Tell me why and how that came to be. Well, it was always my thought, even when I got here. When I first got here, all we had was a teacher's desk and a table and a, a locker. And that was it. There was no textbooks. The program started, to my understanding, in 1988. And the instructor, he transferred six months later. And so it was closed for about six months. And then I took over when I got the job in November, November the 15th, 1989. And so from that point, when I came in, there was really nothing to do. And so I just started looking at books and, and I thought, you know, if we use this book, maybe I can teach them something out of here. And it just kind of grew to the point to now where, you know, we use all kind of books. I mean, there's the CIA book, which is called the Institute of America. We do a lot of monthly magazines for references and more or less recipe development. We take some things and we switch it around. A lot of the things that we do, I just make up here in class to give them a chance to use different types of ingredients because I always thought that they would need to know more than just hamburgers and french fries. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I like a good burger from, you know, said hamburger chain, but I thought it would be better if they would learn fine dining because then they would be able to secure a job and be able to, to take care of their families with a, you know, a better pay grade. And so that's why I do those high-end items. You know, we do lobster. We do prime rib. There's oysters involved. There's many types of seafood. And then there's also, you know, you know the land animals. We, we, we do everything here. Everything that you would go out and purchase when you go out to dinner at your favorite restaurant, we do that here because I thought and still think that it gives them an upper hand when it comes time for a interview. And you could explain to the, the interviewer that I know how to prepare a lobster or I've cooked prime rib. You know, I understand all the different types of temperature, danger zones and things like that. And so that's why I do it. Well, I'm curious to know about your budget because it's my understanding that prison food budgets are notoriously low and it's almost impossible to put truly good food on the table. How do you get a budget for the ingredients that you provide your students? Well, because of the program, we have 10 programs throughout the state. I'm one of 10. And we all have the same budget. We all are supposed to be on the same page. Our budget is $14,500. And so that budget goes towards paying for testing materials uh, like Serve Safe and Pro Start Foundation, hotel and lodging, which are the three national certificates that we give them when they complete the program. So once we pay for the testing materials, you know, that leaves the food. And as we all know, food continues to go up. And so out of that same 14500 now comes the food and small 
tableware, like cup saucers, things like that, that our budget should be able to absorb. If it's a high end or high dollar item, then we go through central office and they help us out with those big purchases. We do get some Perkins funds, but for the most part, it is a state-run budget, so not a lot. No. Let me take one break and remind our listeners that if you're just joining us or tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, we are speaking with Chef Jimmy Lee Hill. He is the award-winning executive chef and instructor of the Food Tech Training Program at the Lakeland Correctional Facility in Coldwater, Michigan, and his program was recently featured in the James Beard award-winning documentary film titled Cold Water Kitchen. Chef Hill, I know that you also have a garden incorporated into your program, which I'm assuming helps you reduce the cost of some of your food because you can grow a lot of those high-dollar vegetable ingredients. Was the garden there when you started back in 1989, or was that something that you created for the program? Uh, No, ma'am, the garden was not here. So we incorporated it because the plot or the garden area is right outside of the back of my classroom. So it is probably, I don't know, maybe 35 feet wide by 60 long. So it's, it's almost a half of a football field. And so in there, we grow everything uh, peas, carrots, three different types of onions, broccoli, cauliflower, celery, artichokes, strawberries, raspberries, watermelons, cantaloupe, okra, spinach, different types of lettuce. Also, we have beets and, man, everything but corn. They want us to grow corn because of the stalks. But, uh, you know, it's not really that big a deal because I can buy a crate of corn for $14 and it have enough corn to do what we're going to do per meal. So the garden helps us out in the summertime because we start to harvest probably the end of April with certain items and it goes all the way through until the fall. I keep my greens in the ground throughout the winter because once that frost hits them, they get really tender. So we always have fresh produce. You know, we take the bell peppers and we freeze them. So in the wintertime, we make roasted red bell pepper soup. Mm. Um, everything that we can get out of the ground, we utilize it. Potatoes, sweet potatoes, Yukon, russets. We do a lot of uh, gardening here. Yeah. Right now, it's, as I'm talking, they've harvested cauliflower and broccoli. So we're blanching some now and we're pickling some cauliflower. We made cabbage or we took the cabbage and we just made sauerkraut, which should be ready this time next week. Wow. So we just do everything. Do the individuals who participate in the culinary program, are they also involved in planting the seeds and caring for the garden? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So they are learning seed to plate skills. Yes. That's huge. Yes. I can only imagine that the individuals participating in your program gain more than culinary skills. They gain confidence. They gain the freedom to feed themselves when they leave prison. And they also probably feel better 
because they are able to consume some of these healing foods. What's been your experience with that? I absolutely love the fact that we are able to utilize this garden because of those same facts. You know, there is a a lot to be learned when you got your hands in that dirt out there, as well as the nutritional part of growing things and going right from uh, literally 50 feet from the dirt into the classroom, into the cleaning area, and then into the kitchen. And within an hour, you've got what you harvest prepared and on a plate and out into the dining room. And I just think that is amazing. I agree. And I'm sure that for many of the individuals in your program, they've not done that work before. No. One of the funniest things is one year I took them out to the garden and I pulled up this plant. And when I pulled it up, it was uh, potatoes. And so the potatoes were at the bottom of the, of the plant that came off the ground. And one of my students said, chef, what is that? And I said, these are the potatoes that we're going to make those French fries out of today. And he said, wow, I just thought they came from the store. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, they did. But they had to come from someplace else before that. But see, because he was in a urban area or, you know, inner city, he had never seen potatoes pulled out of the ground, connected to a bush. All he would see is going to the store and picking up a bag of potatoes. So it made him feel so good when he peeled that potato and we cut them into french fries. And then we also made mashed potatoes and uh, we boiled some potatoes. And it was just amazing to see his face when he bit into those potatoes because he had never, you know, when you go to the store, they're not as fresh as they are when you pull them right out of the ground and right to the kitchen. They learn a lot. Well, and just being able to experience the taste of fresh food must be new for many of your students. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, I know that you've been with this program for over 30 years. I've also read that you travel over 130 miles round trip to do this work. When you get to work, you are patted down. What keeps you doing this work? You know, I just absolutely positively love my job. The drive is 134 miles round trip, but it's a straight shot. It's a straight drive. And so from Lansing, Michigan to Coldwater, Michigan, it's about an hour. Well, illegally, it's about an hour. Sometimes I fracture a few laws every now and then. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's not a bad drive, except in the fall because it's deer season. And you know, they're shooting at the deer, so you can't be mad at them for running across the road. You just have to look out for them, that's all. Right. Well, I also read some statistics on recidivism rates, because that's something that, of course, we all want to see reduced. And it was so remarkable. The data I found was that in 2020, the recidivism rate in Michigan was 26%. But for people who go through your program the recidivism rate is 6%. What do you attribute that success to? I think that they're able to sit here in an environment to where they can learn comfortably 
without all the stuff that's going on outside on the yard or in the dorms. They sit here and the atmosphere in the room, you know, in the morning we, we play worship music and, and then it turns over to smooth jazz. And it was always my thought to make the room inviting and comfortable colors. And so when they come in, sometimes you are going through something to where you can't really think what to do or you want to get on the other side of that fence and, and handle it, but, you know, you can't do that. So in here, it's set up to where they can sit here and do their work, do what they're supposed to do, and then also sit back and try to formulate some type of game plan of what it is that your person is talking to you about on the phone that you can't put your hands on, but you can give them information of what it is that they need to do. And so it just worked. People, the guys, they learned better when they're comfortable. And, you know, we try to keep it uplifting in here and we have a lot of fun, but we're about the business of food service. No one's stressed out. We got a lot of sharp knives and hot soups and sauces. So we try to have some fun to keep everybody on an even keel because everybody wants to go home at the end of the day with that five pints of blood they got in their body. No blood spills. And that really comes from people being stressed out and treated wrongly. And so we just never do that. Right. I want to know what working with incarcerated individuals has taught you. It is really amazing to be around so many people with so many different attitudes and, and problems. And I mean, there you know, there's good and bad, but for the most part, I learned from them that anybody, I'm, I'm just a, a stoplight away from running a light or hitting somebody and, and ending up in here. And some things are out of your control. So you have to not treat these guys like they're all just horrible people. I mean, and, you know, there is, there are some folks in here that as long as they make air, they should be locked up because there's some bad folks in prison. There's no doubt about that. But for the most part, most of them could have done city jail time and it probably would have worked out differently. But when you come in here, it's totally different because there's so many other folks in here and everybody is totally different. You know, they pick and choose who they kind of hang out with. Sometimes that's for the good and, and sometimes it's not. So in the classroom, I try to instill in them, look, I'm not saying that you need to, when you get out of class, you need to go and break bread with, with your classmates in the cafeteria. All I'm saying is when you're in here, we all need to be on the same page and we're going to treat everybody the same. And there's not going to be all that screaming and all the type of things that go on where it's harassment involved and all that. I'm not having that. And so we just get along in here and that makes them want to be here. I'm curious to know how you recruit your students. And I'm assuming that because of the peaceful environment that you have created and a caring environment that you have created, I'm assuming that there are many more people who want to participate in your program than who can. How do you make the cut? Well, now central office, they send the students to us. 
we used to be able to go out on the yard or in the facility and people would write a kite or which is a letter and say, hey, Shep, I'd like to get in your program. I would interview them and then decide. Well, now they get in from central office. They send them from other facilities to me. And you have to be somewhere under 22 months because of the certificates that we're offering them, like the serve safe certificate, it's good for five years. So you don't want someone to have, say, six years left and they pass the serve safe and then they can't use it because they still locked up. Right. It don't make sense. So to pay for the program and then you can't use the certificate because you're still locked up, it doesn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. So we just try to make sure that they're all under a certain amount of time and then they can take the class and get those three certificates. And when they leave, there is some life left into that five-year serve safe manager certificate. Right. We are close to the end of our time. I want to give you a minute or two to just leave our listeners with whatever you want them to know about your work. Well, the one thing I guess is, it is my hopes that uh, this program and the film, the Cold Water Kitchen film, will bring a different light to a lot of the people out in society because they treat the guys like they should be here forever. And it depends on what the crime is, but some of these guys, they really shouldn't be here, but they are. And so while they're here, I just want them to do what they need to do to gain the knowledge to be able to get out and get a job. And I just want society to know that they do more in here than just play cards and, and basketball. What you don't see out there is the learning that goes on within the Department of Corrections. We have a great administration that are, are pro-education. The director is pro-education. And so we try to make sure that we do things under the right parameters and make sure that they leave here with something to know, to be able to do, whether it's full service, climbing a pole for consumer powers. There's a lot of stuff that we teach in our schools, in our college programs here. It's not like society thinks. So I, I want them to know that we do everything we can to get these guys ready to go out and secure a job and no matter what the job code may be. Right. Well, what I took away from Cold Water Kitchen was that you showed how everyone has potential, the value of education, the value of teaching people how to grow and cook good food, and the how far kindness can go. So I want to thank you for that. We have to close, but I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemelgarn for KOPN in Columbia, Missouri. But most of all, I want to thank my guest, the Honorable Chef Jimmy Lee Hill. He is the award-winning executive chef and instructor of food tech at the Lakeland Correctional Facility in Coldwater, Michigan. He has received a multitude of awards. He is a fellow of the prestigious American Academy of Chefs. He recently received the President's Medallion Award from the American Culinary Federation, 
And the film in which he is featured, Coldwater Kitchen, received Ape James Beard Foundation Media Award. So congratulations to you, Chef Hill. And thank you so much for sharing your time with me today and for your important work. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the time that you took out to talk to me. You could have talked to anybody else, but you're here. And so I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.